Amen. All right, with that said, would you please give a round welcome to our beautiful Miranda Hansen. Yep, they'll, they'll get you set up here in a second. Thanks for coming. Are we good? Are we live with that mic? Are we live? Not yet. No? Not oh, yet? That's fun. All okay. right. Hey, so uh, thank you for being here, Miranda. Well, thanks for having me. Um, it's pretty neat to have this morning. We stood up here several months ago and commissioned uh, Miranda to go around the world. We prayed for her every Sunday in our little office, and then we celebrated your arrival back into our presence on Christmas Eve. She's had some time to debrief and uh, decompress, and now you get to be here today. So you started off, we're, gonna, we're just going to basically have a conversation and, and allow you to be a part of it. Uh, with some pictures. Mm -hmm. You started off an, um, an extrovert, energetic, always loving the spotlight. Um, and that's just who you've always been. Yep. You know me so well. Yeah, no. So many of you know I've grown up here. Um, very shy, very introverted, did not like attention, like never wanted to like be in the front, in the center. Like, that's more my sister's gig, you know, Julia? That's not my thing. And so, and I've just always been such a homebody and never really wanted to leave Colorado, really. I was like, this place is pretty awesome. Why would I ever do anything else? Like, all my favorite people are here. I like being at home. I don't really want to leave. But then God happened, so. So God calls you to something, before we get into the details of your trip, he calls you to investigate and eventually follow through with YWAM, which mm -hmm. some people might not know what YWAM is, and a DTS, many people don't know what a DTS yeah. is. So before we get into the details, help us understand what you signed up for. Yeah, so. Um, as I was in college, I started to really grow in my faith and make it more my own. Um, and I just felt a strong pull on my heart to go do something for God. Um, the words that kept coming to mind were, I just want to go on an adventure for Jesus. And I didn't know what that would look like, but I knew I wanted it to be longer than just a couple weeks. Um, I wanted to do something with healthcare because I've really been feeling called to go to nursing. Um, and so I was just looking at different options. Um, and one time, um, there's a lady named Angie Shevland, and she's pretty awesome. She used to be around here. Um, and she came to mind. She used to babysit me sometimes growing up. And she's really involved with YWAM. YWAM stands for Youth with a Mission, and it's an international missions organization, and they're all over the world. Um, and yeah, their purpose is to know God and make God known throughout the nations and personally in our own lives. Um, and so I just thought of Angie, and I thought, well, I'll just look up YWAM and see what they've got going on. Um, and the first page that I looked on Google said, go on an adventure with Jesus. And I was like, all right, I think this is what I'm supposed to do. Um, <laughs> and so the program, like the introductory program for YWAM is called a discipleship training school. 
And what that looks like is you spend three months in what they call the lecture phase, where you grow personally in your relationship with Jesus. Um, and each week has a different spiritual topic, ranging from like hearing the voice of God to the nature and character of God, or um, the father heart of God, or what does lordship look like? And so each week um, was really intense, but I learned a lot, and it was really transformational in my own life. Um, and then the second part of that is called outreach, and so you go into different nations for three months. Um, and so I found one that was medically focused, and it was in Australia. And so, because DTSs can have different um, focuses, like there's one in Denver with a skiing and snowboarding focus. Like, how cool is that? Wow. Like, they go to, yeah. So mine was medically focused, and it was in Australia, in Perth, Australia. So you could either go to Africa or snowboard? Yeah. All for Jesus. They go to the X Games and like share about Jesus. I'm like that. Anybody really like rough. to join me on that mission trip? <laughs> yeah. Like. All right. So when Miranda and I sat down, I said, "What do you want people to walk away with? What, what do you want them to hear at the end of this discussion after you see all the pictures?" And she said, "Far away missions is not the only way." Yeah. what happened for you. There's so much that God wants to do here if we were, are open to it. And yet, you went far away. You said yes. Yeah. You were unbelievably confident with full assurance that first day. Mm-hmm. Or scared. <laughs> scared, nervous, intrepid, uh, but you were ready. Let's start with Nepal. You go to Nepal. And uh, you're feeling pretty far out of your comfort zone. We're going to see a few pictures here. Uh, Miranda will just cue you when to go to the next picture. Thanks, Cody. Um, But you go to Nepal. What are you feeling? Uh, What's your initial experience? So first of all, we get to, we fly into Kathmandu and it's, I felt like I was in a movie. Like, it was insane. Like you get in the roads and there's people everywhere and there's motorbikes and you go down these alleyways and they're like, there's no way all of us can fit in this alley. But they always make a way. Um, and I was just like, this is crazy that I'm actually here. I'm actually in Nepal. I never thought I would ever leave Colorado. And here I am in Nepal. Like that's pretty amazing. I was really humbled that first day. Like, wow, God, you, you did this. Like this is because of you. Um, and so then we went to our first village. This is a picture I stayed on the right side. That's the church where we stayed. Um, and this was a clinic that we held because <coughs> we did a lot of just free clinics after church or whenever, like we did a lot of impromptu healthcare clinics. Um, and so this happened after church one day. Um, and as we were in this village, I was feeling really out of my comfort zone, like squatty potties, those are a thing. Um, they're great, but like, yeah, so I didn't really know how to do that, and I figured that one out, but then also like the shower was in the squatty body, and so like, yeah, I got a, like, you know, Lush, the fancy shampoo, like, soap place, I got a, like, conditioner bar, because I was like, this is gonna be perfect, I can take it with me everywhere, it's just a little bar, and I take a shower in the squatty potty, and it goes down the toilet, like, the first day, and I was like, okay, so this is... (laughs) like really out of my comfort zone (laughs) and it's funny but I was like I don't know how to do this like I was really ready to come home um just really missing family like it was I'd already been away for three months and I felt really really far away at this time um and in these clinics like people would travel for like two hours they would hike to come see us and like I'm not a medical professional really like I'm a CNA but not I can't really do that much and so 
I just felt so hopeless like for these people. Like there were so many things that if it was here, we could just go to Walgreens or Target and get medicine and they'd be fine. And like it wouldn't be a big deal. But these people like hiked for so long and like it was things that we weren't always able to help them with. Um, Let's go to the next picture, Cody. So you mentioned that yeah. these people hike and travel and walk. Are we talking like just down the road? Are we talking a five minute walk, 10 no. minute walk? What, what are they walking? The Nepalis are mountain goats and they climb everywhere. They hike like up and down. For us, they're mountains, but for them, they consider them hills because they have, you know, Mount Everest in the Himalayas. And so they work so hard and they hike up and down these like treacherous, I mean, treacherous is kind of an exaggeration, but they're really intense. Like the first day it took us like two hours to hike up but it would take the Nepalis like 30 minutes to hike. So. so they come to the clinic and help us understand, were you able to help everybody uh, that came with needs? And if not, what bubbled up inside of you? Yeah, so there was one day in particular where I was like, there was just so many people that came by and we couldn't really help them beyond giving them like paracetamol and I was like, what's the, like, why? Like, where's the hope? Like, what are we doing here? We can't really help them. Why are we here? Um, and I had like a breakdown. I was crying, it was not pretty. But um, my leader, he spoke to me and he was like, the only thing like we can really give them in these situations is hope. Um, and that's why we're here. Like, we're here to give them hope. And we have that, we have that source of hope. Like, Jesus is our hope. And yeah, their circumstances are really terrible and they, their life is so different, but we can bring them hope and we can pray for them and we can bring them healing and that's the best gift that we could really bring. Like that's better than any medicine, really. And that really challenged me. But after shifting that, like looking at that, it changes everything. Okay, so one of the things we talked about <laughs> is that, that shift from this is an experience that you have in Nepal mm -hmm. Um, because their situation presumably is not going to change anytime soon. Um, and yet God instills hope in the midst of our difficult circumstances. What has, what's the wisdom and truth of the takeaway now for, for those of us in this room? Because there are health issues, there are marital problems, there are financial problems, and those aren't changing presumably anytime soon. How do we take that hope that you learned on the mission field and apply that to here in Boulder County? Yeah, I think it's a really, it's a great question. Um, Thank you. <laughs> I think like one thing that God really spoke to me was it's a choice to choose hope and it's a choice to choose joy um, and choose to trust him. It's a choice that we each individually have to make. And um, in our situations and our circumstances at home, I think just like looking to Jesus to be our hope each day and looking for him to be our joy each day. Um, Cause he tells us that like, don't worry about tomorrow. Today has enough things to worry about. Um, so just focus on him like for, for your hope and he gives it to you and he, you grow in your dependence on him as you rely on him for that hope each day. And you say, look, I can't do this. Like there were so many moments and mornings in Nepal where I was like, dude, 
I'm done. Like, I can't do this. And, but just looking to him and being like, okay, but you've called me here. And I'm going through this, and it's really challenging, but there's a purpose in it, and I know I can trust you, and I know I can put my hope in you, and choosing to do that. Um, and I think we can do that here, too. Um, just recognizing that it's a choice we can make to choose, choose him each Good. day. Tell us about this picture of this, um, this woman here. This is Nirmala. She was laughing all the time. She's so cool. Um, she lived pretty close to where we were staying, and she would come and help cook meals for us all the time. We laughed one day because the last day we were there, we did a little like pampering day for the ladies that would cook for us and help us out all the time. And they're not used to, you know, they don't go to spas. Like they don't, they're not used to getting massages or like getting their nails done. And we were like, let's do it, it'd be so fun. And we laugh because she walks up, she's like carrying this ax because she was just working in the field. <laughs> she's like ready for a spa day. But um, <laughs> this was at <clears throat> a healthcare teaching because we did a lot of just like simple healthcare teaching, how to really wash your hands, um, how to prevent diarrhea, how to cure diet, like um, treat diarrhea, stuff like that. So this was at one of those and just the joy, like you can see on her face, just so much joy. Um, it was really incredible. The next picture, um, shows just like just how hardworking they are. Like there were so many um, women, especially a lot of the men in Nepal go to Malaysia to find work. And so it's really just a lot of women um, working and farming and working for their families. And so this was one of them. They carry all of their crops on their head and they hike. It's pretty incredible. The next picture is, um, this is where we were kind of staying. So we would hike along these roads and it was really beautiful. Okay, tell us about this next picture. There's a story. This man, he was so sweet. He would come to us at church. Um, and he, yeah, he was, um, he was the mother, actually, of one of the ladies that would cook for us all the time. And he, or the father. Did I say mother? You're good. I meant father. Understood. They do things different. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so he's the father, not the mother, of the ladies that would cook for us. Um, and the first night, each night we were there, we would do like what we called house fellowships with the believers there, and we would share stories and encourage them and pray for them. Um, and this man, he was in so much pain in his back, and we were able to pray for him one of those first nights um, in house fellowships. And he wasn't completely healed, but he still had so much joy and he found the strength each day to come and to serve and he would sit at these clinics and just like communicate and encourage the other believers there and other people and I don't know I just think he's a testament to like how hardworking they are and how there's just a lot of love and community there. So this is one of your first experiences you're in Nepal immediately off the bat you're homesick your mm -hmm. heart is broken you're, you're wondering where's the hope in the midst of all this? What difference can we make? We can't even help everybody that walks two hours to come to us. We have to send them home. God puts it on your heart. There's joy somehow in the midst of this. I yeah. meet you. What verse did he uh, bring to you while you're, you're there in Nepal? Yeah, um, in James, it talks a lot about perseverance. Um, yeah, it says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Um, and so, <clears throat> yeah, like life is really hard over there, but it doesn't mean there's no joy, and it doesn't mean that they're, like, despite their circumstances, they still find life. 
um, and they have it to the full. And I think just knowing that when you go through those circumstances and if you choose to put your trust and your hope um, in Jesus, it produces a stronger faith. And I think that's always worth it in the midst of the struggle because um, you grow closer to God and that's unlike anything else. I don't That's know good. if that makes sense. So you finish up with Nepal, you're, you're heading to Tanzania, you get to Tanzania, and you are able to, uh, again, utilize your spiritual gift of extrovertness. Door-to-door uh, yeah. -door evangelism, My right favorite. up your alley. Yeah. yeah. Go talk to strangers that you don't speak their language. That's so great. So, uh, <laughs> so you get to Tanzania, and yet uh, God met you in Nepal in trying to find joy and hope and purpose and, and really, uh, the way I interpret it, really solidified uh, this right off the bat when you get to Tanzania with the story. Let's, let's put this picture of, of these kids up here. Aren't they beautiful? They're so um, sweet. So help us understand you're there doing door-to-door -door evangelism. What happens? Yeah, so um, evangelism is something that I never really liked at all. Like really not a fan. Because, um, yeah, I was really introverted. And I think when I was in Nepal, especially, just seeing how exciting it can be to share your faith and share about who Jesus is when people need to know. Like, some people just have never heard. I mean, being able to want to share that with them for the first time is such a privilege. And I think, like, when I was in Nepal, I really came to understand, like, wow, this is something that I was actually created to do. Um, it's not just something that he calls me to do, but it actually brings me a lot of joy. And so this day, this day was like one of my favorite days ever. Um, yeah, so we were doing evangelism and sharing about Jesus. And our translator was like, all right, well, let's just go into this little, it was like a little community of houses. And we walk in and we're white, so people are automatically really intrigued by us. Um, and this lady like peeks her head out of her door um, to see what we're doing. And she invites us. And something about Tanzania and Nepal both is people are incredibly hospitable. And they're just always so welcoming and willing for you to come and sit and talk with them. And they just pull out chairs and they bring you tea and they're so ready to talk. Um, and so that's what happened here. And we were able to kind of talk with the, the mom um, and encourage her and pray for her. Um, but while we're doing that, there's a bunch of little kids running around, like these little ones. Um, the one on the far right is her son, and the other ones were just neighbor kids, but they were all around listening to us. Um, I was like playing peekaboo with the one on the far left um, while we were all sharing. And um, as we were praying for the mom, I just really, really felt to ask if the kids have, if they wanted to hear the story of Jesus. Okay, let's stop right there just for a second. So you're there kind of following orders, if mm -hmm. you would. We're here to do door-to-door -door evangelism primarily to the adults, mm -hmm. and you have a moment where you feel prompted. Yeah. Normal for your character to hear that and then respond to it so boldly or, or outside of character? I think it's something that I'm learning was always there, but I was not always responding to. Mm -hmm. um, I think God speaks to us a lot, but we're not always listening and we're not always ready or willing to go do what he would tell us to do. And so I think for me, like this was really not something that I would do very often. Like I would feel prompted by God, but I would be like, mm, no, I don't think that's gonna happen. <laughs> not today, maybe tomorrow, not today. And so, but this time I just really was like, no, like this is what God wants to do. And mm. so, yeah, just really um, 
tried to be available for God in that moment and just say yes to whatever he would say. Um, so that's what happened. And um, this has only happened a couple of times in my life where I started sharing. And I don't remember at all what I said, but it was really God speaking through me. Um, and it was so cool to just see their hearts and their eyes come alive. Um, what did you share with them? I shared with them about Jesus and about how he um, is with them all the time and how I think one thing that I really tried like felt that they needed to know is like with him you don't have to be afraid Um, because there's a lot of brokenness in Tanzania and in schools and in families Um, just saying like look he's with you all the time and you can have him with you all the time in your heart and you don't have to be afraid Um, And so if you go to the next picture, there they are, um, praying for Jesus to come into their lives. Um, It's just such a privilege to be able to do that and be able to be the one to, like, share about who Jesus is with them um, and see them just, like, invite him into their hearts because then they don't have to be afraid anymore because they have Jesus with them. (sighs) Getting weepy, but it's really cool. So... (laughs) Did you, did you have this expectation when, when God prompted your heart of, hey, maybe we should share with the kids. Did you have this feeling of, I'll share, they'll accept Christ, that'll be a great picture and a great victory for God. This nice, neat bow, or, or as they're praying, bring us into your heart and mind as you're leading them in prayer through a translator and you're watching these three dear little ones made in the image of God accept him as savior. Mm-hmm. What's going through your mind? This is one of my favorite days because of just the pure joy that I felt. Um, I didn't expect anything like that to happen. Like I was like, oh, I'll share about Jesus with them. And I think growing up in a church, I was like, well, like, of course they should know about Like, that's what I grew up knowing. Shouldn't they know it too? And so I just, I don't know. I didn't really think about like, wow, what an impact it would have. Um, and as they were praying, I just felt like God's heart, just a little glimpse of God's heart for these kids and all of his kids of like, I just feel like he gave me just a little smidgen of his joy for how excited he is when his kids come home. Um, And it was like overwhelming for me. And just knowing that that's just a little bit, like he loves, he loves it so much when his kids come home. Um, And just being able to partner with him in that and just feeling so thankful that like, wow, God, like you, told me to do this and I just said yes which I don't do all the time but when I do say yes like crazy things happen and just like feeling so humbled and so privileged that he would like ask me to do that and allow me to feel that joy like show me wow so you're a a a Colorado girl from Superior Mm -hmm. in the bushes of Tanzania prompted by God to share with these kids they bow their heads and accept him as their Lord and Savior. Yeah. Pretty remarkable for you to be able to say yes. And and as Miranda was sharing this story with me, I I kept thinking about this idea to call audibles on the fly when when God is prompting us. We we typically will have a plan, uh, especially when we go on some kind of serve trip or mission trip. And yet just because we're there (laughs) doing good things doesn't mean that we're not still being guided and then we need to be attentive to that and then responsive. 
and I'm reminded of Henry Blackaby's uh, series that he wrote on uh, experiencing God, and, and the whole basis of that is find out where God's at work and then ask him to give you the courage to join him. And he was obviously at work in these kids, uh, revealed that to you, gave you the courage to join him in that work, and the result was lives saved and an experience for you to be able to share, which is uh, pretty remarkable. Let's shift again. You experience that audible being guided by the Spirit of God. It sounds like in us talking, it can be a little bit easier, if you would. I use that in quotes. In Tanzania and Nepal, how hard is that here in Boulder, Superior, Louisville, everyday American life to be attentive to what the Spirit's guiding and then to act on it in the same way that you did in Tanzania. How hard is that? It's really hard. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's actually way, I mean, I say way easier. But for me, I think when you're in places like that, like my purpose there was to be there for God and to be a light for Jesus. That was what I was there for. So it just seemed a lot easier to go up and to talk to people about who Jesus is and to be more available for God. Um, But as I come home, it's really, I find myself getting stuck in my routines and having my own, (coughs) excuse me, my own plans and my own thoughts um, and not always inviting God into, okay, what do you want me to do today? Or what do you want me to say? Or how do I be available for you in this moment? And I think it's hard to because Sometimes it just feels like people aren't as open to hearing about God here. Um, And we are all in our, we're very independent here. We're very independent. And um, as I come home, I'm finding that I'm being like independent from God. And when I was there, I was so dependent on God for each moment and hearing like what he would want me to say. But here I'm like, "Mm, no, I don't really think that's a good idea. I don't want to talk to these people about you because I'm afraid. And, um, yeah, but God still wants to do so much here, and he still wants us to be available to him. And I'm learning that in each moment, in each, each day, each place you go into, like, you can still be available for God. And I think for me, just learning to ask God, like, okay, what do you think about this situation, or what do you want me to say, or how do I respond? It's what I'm trying to do. By no means am I a pro. I'm still learning. Uh, tell us about this next picture. So this was, um, when we were in Tanzania, we were able to camp in this village. And um, we, yeah, it was unlike anything else. We stayed at this church that was planted through YWAM. Um, and yeah, it challenged me a lot because when we were there, this was the church. It's like just tin walls. There's, they hang some colorful fabric in there. Um, and these were a bunch of the kids from the village. We were hanging out. Um, but in this place, um, like we had to fetch water from a well. And I was like, what? This is, they don't have running water? Like what's the deal? Um, and so you could go, the next picture, Um, that's a different story but the one after that I think is a good picture of yeah so this wasn't the same village but different time kind of same scenario we had to fetch water from a well Um, it's a lot of goats yeah 
these little boys herd the goats, and it's insane. Um, you can go to the next picture. That's one of the little boys. That's his herd of goats for his family that he herds all the time. He just walks them around. Um, they don't really go to school. These are This is a Maasai people group, um, and this is what they, they're nomadic, and they travel around with their herds. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, in this village, you can go to the next picture. <coughs> this is kind of where we were. Um, yeah, just really struck by like poverty and like, wow, we have to fetch water from a well. Like I've never done that. It's kind of a cool experience. Like I can say I fetched water from a well, but I had this moment when we were worshiping at church um, and I was like, why God? Like, why don't they have running water? Why don't they have these things that seem so normal and necessary to us? Like why? Um, and it, God just really highlighted to me, like, look at like the worship. Like they're still worshiping, and there's so much joy. And it doesn't matter that they don't have running water. Like life is still just as valuable here as it is at home. And it looks really different to not have running water, but it's not less valuable. And there's still so much joy and so much love here. Um, and it was so cool that he highlighted that to me in the midst of a worship session there, because that is unlike anything else, worship in Africa. Um, All right, let's hit, let, let's, I, I want you to share a little bit more uh, how bothered you were. We, we tend to hear, oh, there's no running water, and we go, well, of course there's no running water, it's in the bush. But you shared with me that was very bothersome for you and almost a stumbling block, like a barrier. Um, why was that a barrier and, and how did God help you overcome that? And we'll bleed into the, the worship. Mm -hmm. um, it was so hard for me because I was like, like, where are you, God? Like, and this seems like something that we should all have. Like, we should all have access to water. Like, we should all have access to running water, clean water. Like, where are you in the midst of this? And why aren't you here? And why does this seem like you don't care about the people here? And why, like, why is poverty a thing? Um, and I wrestled with that a lot. And I was like, I just, like, you, you're really good. And I've seen you. Like, you're really good. I know you're good. But... Still, I just don't understand this. And rather than like being angry with me, God was really gentle and really kind. And I just really felt him say like, I'm not for poverty. Like I, poverty is not from me. That's a result of like this broken, broken world. But I can still bring goodness in the midst of the poverty and I can still bring the love. <clears throat> and like God is not for poverty, but God is for people, and God brings his people love and joy in the midst of really challenging circumstances. Um, and just seeing that and the people there and really having a tangible evidence of like, look at these people, like look at the joy that they have. Even though they have to fetch water from a well, even though their houses are really tiny and they all live in one little room, and even though they have chickens everywhere. Like one time we were in this house and these chickens like ran across the table and I almost had a panic attack because I don't like birds. Anyway, like they just- <laughs> What do you have against birds? I just hate their freaky. Don't like them. 
Most people, it's like snakes or spiders. Snakes are another thing. We'll get there later. But okay. this is not, don't love birds. Anyway, just like, even though they have like these, their lives look so, so different, but they're still so, so valuable. And God really values his children and he loves them so much. So we're, we'll, we're going to have to unpack the bird thing with you uh, on another date. It'll be like a counseling session. Yeah. Um, God meets you in your kind of despair of brokenness, feeling for the people. He meets you in worship um, yeah. in, in this place. Help us understand worship. I'm assuming it's very similar to our worship. Just the same. Okay. Just kidding. Uh, what, Not at all. How is it different? Um, how many pounds did you lose? Uh, yeah. Et cetera. So worship there, I like to compare to a Zumba session because you're dancing the whole time and everyone's like moving and they have these like conga lines and... Conga lines. Yeah. There's this one song we sang where we were like stomping Satan in the ground. Like it was getting, it was lit, you could say. It was like a party. And, but what really struck me was like, man, these people are worshiping out of a deep, deep love and a deep desperation for God. Mm. And they have like such a love for him in their hearts. Um, and just seeing how that impacts like everything that they do. And yeah, they're like full of joy because of God and because of how he's touched their lives and because of like they've experienced his presence and they know that he... Um, cares for them and they have this like deep love for him and I think here we don't really our needs can seemingly be met by a lot of other things um, like we have water from you know we can get hot water if we want I keep going back to the water but that was a big thing for me um, and we have like we have a lot of resources here and we have our physical needs really well met and so I uh, I don't think we always worship out of a place of, wow, no, I'm really desperate for God in this place and in this time. And I think it limits us in some ways of really experiencing a pre like the presence of God. So I'm going to put you on the spot. Um, obviously, here, 225 Majestic View Drive is different than Tanzania. God is the same. We don't expect for them to worship the way we do. We don't expect to worship exactly the way they, the, the way they do. But as Rock Creek Church, I'm going to ask you to be bold on this. We didn't plan this. Where and how do we, who call Rock Creek Church home, how do we need to grow in worship based on what you experienced? Um, I think just not allowing yourself to get in the way. Um, not allowing yourself to get in the way of like the love that you have for God. Not allowing your fear of what other people may think of you get in the way of worshiping your God and not letting yeah, your fear, your anxiety of stepping out and doing something that's not normal um, stop you from worshiping your God that loves you and that saved you. And so, because I think here it's like, okay, we have like three worship songs. Let's do it. It's going to be awesome. Um, and then we're going to sit and we're going to learn. It's going to be great. Um, but just allowing the spirit of God to move through you and allowing, like welcoming him into this time and um, letting him do what only he can really do. Because 
you're never left feeling the same and you've, you're never left feeling like, wow, okay, I'm gonna sit and I'm gonna enjoy this service. Like, it touches every part of your heart and it leaves you feeling so much more hungry for God. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, just like really allowing him to move through you and welcoming him into that space. I think, I don't know if that makes any sense, but just not allowing yourself to get in the way of worshiping your God. Good. Tell us about this picture. How often did you see, is that Coca-Cola? Yeah, I think that should, I should sell this picture, I think, to Coke, Coca-Cola. <laughs> Maybe for their new ad campaign, I don't know. But yeah, this lady was just on her way home from the market carrying a case of Coca-Cola on her head. Like, one time I saw a lady carrying a table on her head, and I was like, I can't even walk without anything on my head. I fall a lot. I don't know. I'm pretty clumsy, but these people have it figured out. Is there any spiritual meaning behind this, or you just highlighted the fact that she's carrying Coca-Cola on her head? Well, mainly the Coca-Cola, but I think also just, like, there's so much strength there in everything that they do. Like, they just have so much strength. All right, so we finish up. Uh, we finish up in Tanzania. We're going to Australia. Yeah, come with us. We're going to go to Australia. You go to Australia, and one of the things that you immediately begin to have your world rocked is this. You, you mentioned it at the beginning. This idea of lordship. Uh, bring us into how that uh, came about and what God did in wrecking you and then rebuilding you. Yeah, so like I kind of mentioned before, each week we'd have different topics at YWAM and one of them was Lordship. And I had no idea what that meant. I was like, Lordship, that sounds fancy, not sure, it sounds fun. Um, and my whole time at YWAM, um, Everyone there is a missionary, right? And so they were all like, yeah, God just told me to stay. And so I stayed in Australia and I just never left. And it's been awesome. I'm like, okay, Australia is really far from Colorado. Like I am so far away from home. I don't want to stay here. I was like, God, if you tell me to stay here, like I will be so mad. I don't want to do it. (laughs) It gets so far away. And I just (laughs) thought that was normal. And just kind of like held that back from God. I was so afraid, like really truly afraid that he would call me to live in Australia or to do missions full time somewhere where I would never be able to talk to my family again, like really afraid. Um, And then we came to the week of Lordship. And yeah, I was wrecked each day. (laughs) Um, Lordship basically is like looking at what does it really mean to have Jesus as the Lord of your life? And what does it look like to have him on the throne, like him calling the shots, basically, and not yourself? And I was like, well, I'm here, aren't I? Like, I came to Australia for you. Obviously, you're on my throne. (laughs) Did you do it with that kind of sass? I should have, but I didn't. I'm sure he would have. I think he would have liked it. (laughs) But... No, like I was on my throne for so long and it was all about me and what I wanted to do with my life, my plans, um, and also my family. Like I love my family a lot. Um, But I realized like, wow, I really put them in front of God and everything. Um, That's why I didn't want to leave because I was like, that's really far from my family. I don't want to do that. 
Sorry, I can't look at you because then I'm really cry. <laughs> um, and I was like, why God? Why would you ask so much of me? Like, why would you want me to live so far from my family? Granted, he never asked me to. He never asked me to like move to Australia and never see my family again, but it was just the idea of it. I was like, why? Why would you ask so much of me? And I really wrestled with that. And I really wrestled with, is Jesus even worth it? Like, why is this worth it? Why is like living for Jesus with him on my throne, why is that worth it? Um, and then I came across this verse. It's at the end of the slides, but um, it just basically says like. Can you throw that up? Thank you, yeah. you're the man. <laughs> Um, just the first part, especially of this verse, when I was really wrestling with like, okay, God, do I put you above my family? I don't know if you're worth it. Um, the first verse says, for this reason, I kneel before the father from whom every family in heaven on earth derives its name. And I was like, just really struck by, wow, you gave me my family in the first place. Like they're your gift to me, really. Um, the only reason I have such a good relationship with them, the only reason I have my life is because of them. And so, yes, God, of course you're worthy. Like, you've given me so much. And the rest of the verse says, um, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit and your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Mm. And to know that this love surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory mm. in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Awesome. And just really struck by, wow, like you're worth it because you've given me so much and you have so much more for me. And so, yeah, you can have the rightful seat on my throne. Mm. And I knew that in my head when I was in Australia, but when we went to Tanzania, it was when I really felt it in my heart. Um, you can go back So to one, of, one of the things that, that you struggled with is, am I willing to kind of take my family off that throne and put God on? You, yeah. He brings you to a place where you eventually say yes, yeah. but then what does he do? God's so cool, you guys. <laughs> oh, so in Tanzania, this is the bench crew we call ourselves. Um, God just really showed me, he provides you with family wherever you go. And even though I was so far away from my family, he brought me more family. And even though like these are my friends, these were our translators and my friends that I traveled with, um, we would sit on this bench till like 2 a.m. and share stories and laugh and have deep chats about just God and like how he moved in our lives. and. Like our lives are so different, but the one thing we have in common is Jesus and how he's saved us and just really recognizing, wow, like God, you, you provided me with my people when my people are so far. Mm. Um, and he does that. He just, he provides beyond anything we could ever imagine. 
Let's go to the next one, Cody. We went swimming one day. Like, it was so fun. Like, he provides you with your family and these people that I never, ever would think that we would get so close. But... Next we, one. That's Ken. He, I brought that fan with me everywhere because I was sweating all the time. <laughs> Three months straight, I sweat. I can't believe we didn't put one of those pictures up. You have some great sweat pictures. Oh, yeah. This dress, okay. So I didn't wash it really at all while I was in Africa. That's good. Yeah. It's just, a, you have to hand wash it. It's heavy. It was not feeling it. Not ready. And then I get to Australia and it smells so bad because I've sweat in it for so long. But I washed it now, so I smell good, guys. It's great. It's hot there. <laughs> anyway, yeah, we were playing with my fan. Can just, you hit that next picture? Um, this is the lady on the far left. She made my dress. Um, her name is Ruth. The dress you're wearing now. Yes. Tell us the story behind her. So I think this is a really strong example of what lordship looks like, not just in my life, but um, just seeing it in someone else's life and really living it out. This is Ruth, and those are her three daughters. <clears throat> um, one of the reasons I had this dress made was to support Ruth and her family. Um, Ruth had an incredible encounter with Jesus, and I don't know all of the details of the story, but he was worth everything to her. And her husband was a strong Muslim man. And he said, well, you have to choose between Jesus or your family and your kids. That is not something that I would ever want to choose. Um, she chose Jesus. And so she lives at YWAM. And she wasn't able to see her kids for a, a long time. And I was able to sit with her and talk with her one time about just like what that was like. Like what was it really like to leave your family and leave your kids um, to pursue Jesus and knowing that he was worth it. Um, and she was like, it was really hard. Like really, like that's, that's hard. And she was like, but I have so much peace and I know God's gonna bring my kids back. Hmm. Um, and God was opening doors for her kids to come home. and. We were there right before her kids were going to be able to come back and visit her because um, her husband finally allowed them to come visit her. And she didn't have a lot of money. Like She didn't have money to really pay for them to come to her. She didn't have money to pay for them to do fun things. Um, but she was a seamstress, and so we all got dresses made. And like this dress was like 20 US dollars, but it was... It meant so much more to her. And for me to be able to support her, and that was so special. Um, and just seeing her kids come home, like those are her daughters, and they were able to stay at YWAM, and they were able to experience the love of Jesus and be surrounded by her family. Like God really provided her with a family when she was really separated from hers. And yeah, it was really powerful. So she gets divorced, she's separated, she's living for Jesus, uh, contrary to popular belief. Uh, how is God now using her with her ex-husband and his new wife? Yeah. That's crazy. Uh, tell us. Yeah, so in these moments of sitting with her, um, she just has so much peace and I t asked her about it once, and she was like, yeah, well, 
God's given me this, like, the strength to choose to forgive my husband. Um, I've forgiven him. He's really broken, and he needs a lot of love. But I've chosen to forgive him, and I have peace. Um, and now, like, he's remarried to this other lady, and this other lady will call Ruth and ask her, like, how do I handle this situation with this man? How do I do this? And Ruth, like, just with so much peace and grace and love in her heart is like, I don't want to, she's really wise. And she's like, I don't think he would appreciate you talking to me about this, but I will give you some advice. And just the, that she's not, she doesn't hold bitterness in her heart. Like she's chosen to forgive him. Um, and it's brought her so much freedom. And it, I think it's brought her so much more peace because she doesn't have to be angry towards him. Like she can be loving towards him and she knows that that's what's best for her children ultimately. And so... Yeah, like, that's insane to me. Like, how do you choose to forgive someone that has forcibly removed you from your children? Mm. But she's done it, and it's all because of Jesus. That's amazing. So this last picture, uh, again, just a, a, a picture of how God forced you to remove family, put himself on his throne, and yet replaced it with family. And, and I know this warms your heart seeing these people, uh, which, is, yeah. which is pretty special. I got you. All right. Um, we're going to hit what we like to call Miranda and God's uh, speed round. So uh, we have a bunch of God stories here. We have limited time. Uh, so we're going to speed through this. I'm going to put a picture up. Uh, as difficult as this is, I'm going to give Miranda like less than a minute to tell us the story behind this. It's going to prompt you to want to know more. Ask her, take her to lunch, buy her lunch. She's a very willing recipient to receive you purchasing I'd go to lunch. With you. lunch. <laughs> I'll uh, pay for myself. Don't worry. Yes, she'll suffer by you taking her to dinner <laughs> and lunch uh, or have her over because she would love to tell you more. We could easily do two or three hours here yeah. uh, today. But let's put this first picture up. And uh, what's the story behind this? So, this is my best friend Hannah on the left, and this is Hannah on the right. Or I meant that the other way around. They're both named Hannah, anyway. The white one was my best friend from DTS. I'm sorry, I'm not good at this. So You're doing great. Thanks. Um, <laughs> so in that first village we camped in, um, where we had to fetch water and everything, one day we did evangelism, and I was able to go with the pastor, which I was super pumped about, because he, he knows the area. You know, He knows the people, and he knows what they're really struggling with. So we go to this house, and this is Hannah. This is also the house where the chickens were running on the table. So I was a little afraid, but we made it through. Um, and Hannah, when we first get there, she's just really like ashamed. She doesn't want to look at you in the eye. She's just really not about it. And we were able to kind of encourage her and share stories with her and pray for her. Um, she was like, all right, can we go pray for my dad? Like, we really need to pray for him. So we walk into the next room. And there's her dad, and he's laying on the bed. And it turns out he's been paralyzed for six years. He hasn't left his house. He hasn't been able to go to church or anything. Um, he's a strong believer, but he just, like, he wasn't able to, like, have fellowship with anybody. He felt really alone. Um, but as we walked in there, he was like, I know God's going to heal me. I know I'm going to be able to walk again. I'm really desperate for God to heal me. Like, Jesus is going to heal me. And we're like, all right, let's pray. And a lot of times when we 
prayed for people, we would just kind of pray all at once. Because um, there was a lot of us, and we just thought, like, let's just pray. Um, but this time, like, me and a bunch of other, like, I was with four people. We all really, really felt in our hearts just to pray one by one over this man. Um, and he, he was able to stand up. And, I mean, my friend Andrew had him, like, kind of on his arm, but he was able to stand. And it was like, holy crap, God, like, you're healing this man. What the heck? And I get to see it. Like, oh, my gosh. And then we're like, well, let's pray again so you can walk. And so we pray again. And just, like, the story of the friends lowering their um, friend down to meet Jesus on the mat and just saying, like, get up and walk. That's what we were praying over him. And he was able to walk. Um, just amazing. Like, God's so cool and he's so powerful. And, like, I think we often think, well, that happened in the Bible when Jesus was here, but that doesn't happen now. But it does. Um, and he's still so powerful. He's the same God and he does it all. He can do it. Hmm. And so this was afterwards. Hannah has a beautiful smile on her face. Um, she was in the room when her dad was able to walk again. All of her kids were in the room. Um, and just seeing the pure joy she had on her face was amazing. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so that's one God story that was pretty radical. To him be the glory. Yeah. And you do a great job keeping it within a minute. Uh, so that's <laughs> awesome. Sorry, I don't know how you want me to do it in a minute. The next one I can do pretty quick. So we don't have a bird picture, but we do have this. This is a black mamba. It's the deadliest snake in Africa. And I touched it, long story short. <laughs> I was doing my laundry. It was in the window. I found the snake. I felt it on my hand. The African men came in and like beat the crap out of it. And then... That's too crap. Were... <laughs> it was so crazy. But I survived. I called my, I texted my family and I was like, I almost died. They didn't like that. They didn't like that I said that. But I was If you too are a child and you go on a mission trip, do not let the first phrase be, I almost died. <laughs> Say something like, hey, I did laundry today and I almost died. Don't lead with that. Yeah, sorry. So the black mama, uh, Miranda has video of the during and after of the killing of God's creation. Um, we can watch it later. Okay. All right, so that is a, a fun story. Uh, let's put this next picture up. What looks like prayer, you're in a room, what's, yeah. what's going on here? So this was in Nepal. Um, the second village we went to in Nepal was really, really spiritually dark. and I. Never really knew what that meant until I was in an environment that like really was really spiritually oppressed. Um, and this lady, we were there. I'm trying to do a better job at speaking quickly. I'm sorry. You're great. Um, and we were at like a house fellowship and um, this lady comes in. We're all kind of talking and she's like, I don't believe in Jesus, but if he heals me, then I'll believe in him. And we're like, okay, well, we'll pray for you. Like, let's pray for you. Um, Cause she had a lot of pain like all throughout her body. And as we were praying for her, she falls backwards. And we're like, what is going on? Like, this is crazy stuff. Um, but we're just praying and speaking life into her and just seeing how, like, she was able, like, her pain was gone. And I think in the Bible, like, Jesus tells his disciples to, like, pray for healing and cast out demons, basically. And I don't know what was happening with her. And that's a big, scary term. But there was something happening inside of her spiritually. And I think that happens to a lot of people in Nepal. 
And I think spiritual pain can manifest itself in physical ways a lot. Um, and she was free of pain after we prayed for her. Um, and she became a believer, and it was crazy. So there's a darkness and an oppression in Nepal, and yeah. you guys fought that. This picture kind of gives a glimpse. Um, this next picture, Cody, um, looks like a playground, looks like a gated gazebo. What is this, though? This is a temple. They have temples on top of like every mountain in Nepal, every hill. Um, and people have to climb up to the mountains and worship their gods. <clears throat> and so we would sometimes hike up to the mountains and pray to our God in front of the temple. Because um, Jesus wins the victory, you guys. Right. It's pretty awesome. Um, and it's really heartbreaking to see people like worship. Um, false gods that they think will bring them hope. And we met a lot of people that we're just really heartbroken and really like I like this one man we were hike, we hiked to this place we we're kind of praying and <clears throat> this man heard us and he came up and he was like what are you doing like what are you what are you doing and we told him and he was like man like I've been Hindu my whole life and I have to sacrifice like nine chickens but I can't I don't have nine chickens like, I don't know what to do and we're like you don't have to do that. God already did that for you, and you don't have to do that anymore. Um, and just seeing like how people struggle a lot um, was crazy. God loves Nepal, and He loves His people there. And I like it's a beautiful culture, beautiful people. Um, yeah, it's. I think it makes it really spiritually dark. Hmm. I don't know. So this is your team. Yeah, that's Mount Kilimanjaro in the background which is pretty awesome. We got to camp in, we call it Maasai land. It's like that little boy that had the wraps on. This is where they were. It's like, when you think of the bush of Africa and like the straw roofs and the mud huts, that's where I was. And, and like the people with the big earlobes. It's awesome. They're really cool. So next really few awesome pictures people. here are some pictures of God's creation. This was our first hike, our first night to our village in Nepal. This was across a bridge that was really like, un, kind of terrifying. But I decided to take a picture, because I was like, why not? And then? I made it across the bridge. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> All right, good, next picture. Oh, this is a sunset How often did you Nepal. see sunsets? I was like, all of these pictures are pretty much are sunrises or sunsets, but I just think it, I don't know, I'm all really, always really touched by this. Just like, I think it's just a reminder of God's promises to us. Show us um, this next one here. This is in Africa. Just the sunrise, it's so beautiful. And this next one, Cody. Similar to the one, like, just the colors in the mountain, like his creation is so beautiful. And we get to experience it everywhere we go, which is so cool. Here's a picture of a couple of kids. These were my little buddies in Nepal. Did you teach Nepal. them that? Yeah, I was doing that, and then they were trying to Im imitate me. But it was fun. Um, I've seen your dad <laughs> do this in a few yeah. pictures. Um, these kids, well, the one on the far right, um, that was the best. <laughs> I went to college, believe it or not. 
I just also like it's backwards, you know. I don't know. Understood. So, yeah, it's hard. Um, he was a pastor's son, so he was there all the time, and he was so fun. And these other kids were like the neighbor kids, and that's one thing about Nepal, which is really cool, is everyone kind of raises each other. Like, there's just a strong community culture, and so these kids would come and play with us all the time. Um, so tell us about. Uh, I've given him the name. Uh, this next slide, Captain Underpants. Oh wait, go to the next one. Next slide. There we so go. this kid, Look he's at those so eyes. sweet. Um, he would always show up, and he was just never wearing pants or underwear, just really <laughs> naked. And my friend Andrew, he was our leader. He always, before he leaves on a trip, he's like, "Okay, God, what's one thing that I'm not thinking of that you want me to bring?" And God told him to bring an extra pair of underwear. He was like, interesting. Okay. So this kid comes up and he's also really sick. And you can't really tell in the picture, but yeah, he's just, it's kind of neglected. Um, and Andrew's like, I brought an extra pair of underwear and I think it was for this little guy. And so he puts on his underwear and he like pins it so it fits him. They're like pants on him. Um, and just seeing like, yeah, I don't know. It was, and then, you know, the next day he comes back, he's not wearing any pants. So it's like, okay, did that really do much? But um, <laughs> um, just seeing, like, what it looks like to have a child, like, faith, mm. I think, in these kids a lot. Um, that's one thing that God really showed me was, wow, just really depending on your father, mm. really depending on him and trusting in him. And there's a lot of love that comes from trusting your father. And that's what these kids taught me, and they're really sweet. So let's look at this picture. That's Mount Kilimanjaro. On my way to church one day. <laughs> so when Miranda showed this to me, my first thought was, you did it. You did it. You were scared. Little kid in this church becoming a godly woman, feeling the call of God, leaving what you love the most, mom, dad, brothers, sisters, aunt, uncle, cousins, niece, nephews, you left it, scared to death, chickens running across the table and black mambas, demon-possessed people, healing of prayers, sharing, kids coming to Christ, and I see this picture and you did it. What's the, what's the ending passage that you want to share with us? Uh, this next slide here. Why is, why does this mean so much to you? Um. Yeah, I never thought I would be the one to do this um, at all. Like, I've always been really shy. <laughs> I never thought it, like this would be my life, um, but God did it. Like I said yes, but God really did it. And just coming home and looking at like, wow, so God really did a lot in me and in my life when I was away. But how do I, like, what does that look like here? And how do I come home and how do I live like that here? And how do I invite that into my life here? Um, and this is one verse that really stood out to me, especially in the message version. Um, I think it just makes it, I don't, 
more understandable sometimes. It says, you are the light of the world. A town on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. <clears throat> so he just, he wants us to be a light. And yeah, I went and I did it. God did it. And I saw really cool things, but it doesn't end there. Um, and there's so much more that God wants to do here if we let him and if we say yes to him. Um, like that God has so much more for you. Um, he really does. And that's something that I'm learning to trust now that I'm home. It's like, okay, that was the best time of my life. Like that was the best season. But there's still more, and God still wants to do so much more in each one of our lives. And we don't have to go to Africa, we don't have to go to Nepal to do that. It's really awesome, it's really fun to be able to do that, but we can do that here when we say yes to him, and when we say yes to being the light of the world, and we say yes to letting the light of Jesus shine for other people. Because our world really needs Jesus. Um, and yeah. Miranda, you are a beautiful, godly woman with an incredible heart that God has shaped after himself. You are courageous and bold and strong in ways that are above and beyond you. I am privileged to call you sister and friend and honored to have you in my life. Uh, as a church, we are honored and privileged to have you share with us your experiences. And I believe I can say on behalf of God, well done, good and faithful servant. We are very, very proud of you. Would you please give Miranda a round of applause? Thanks, guys. I, our, our prayer all along has been uh, through Miranda and her sharing. There is somebody in this room or listening online that God is prompting you to take that next step and go on a mission trip. Um, be that uh, Haiti, Africa, with us down in uh, Juarez, Mexico. You are being prompted and you need to say yes. Um, what God did in and through Miranda is not unique to her. It's not unique um, to anyone in specific. Uh, it's unique to God. And that experience, that, that adventure, that thrill, that awe, that challenge is available to all of us. Uh, it just so happens he chose to use Miranda to do that and then uh, speak to us and to give us uh, guidance. Um, we're running late. If you, it's not your fault, um, very well worth it. Uh, if you need to leave, uh, please feel free. You're not gonna uh, offend any of us. We understand schedules. We are gonna close in worship because one thing that I know is very heavy on Miranda's heart and mine as well is we don't want this to just be about Miranda. We don't want this to be about her trip, her experience. Look at my slideshow. We want this to be about God 
and about what he does, continues to do in and through us when we say, yes, Lord. And it's an amazing thing. And it often begins in worship that God gives us that soft, gentle whisper to say, go, take the step. You can do this. Let's think about it. Uh, and so we want to make sure uh, that we do that. Uh, at the conclusion, Mark will dismiss us. Uh, and we've got like a, a uh, tortilla chip salsa bar out there. And so if you want to um, enjoy a, a, a plate of tortilla chips and salsa, that has nothing to do with Miranda. We just had leftover from a party uh, <laughs> yesterday. Uh, so there's no spiritual element of it, but enjoy nevertheless. Uh, let's pray together um, and, uh, and, and let's give God the glory and let's, let's worship. So Lord, thank you. Thank you for the testimony. I believe your kingdom is strengthened because of the words spoken through Miranda. Uh, I believe in the strong and powerful work of your son. I am grateful for the spirit of God that moves in and through this room and for those who are listening online. And that Miranda's trip has not ended, it continues. It continues to this day. It will continue in conversations and lunches and dinners and breakfasts and coffees after this. So please continue to use your daughter in ways that are above and beyond her. Uh, thank you for her faithfulness to say yes uh, through fear and trembling. We think of that verse, continue to work out your salvation in fear and in trembling. And what an example that we had here uh, of a young lady who grew up watching and observing church and then says yes and experiences the thrill and the awe that comes with saying yes. You are not just on pages in the Bible. You are not a figment of our imagination. You are not just something made up. You are the living God, maker of heaven and earth. And you continue to save, you continue to move mountains, you continue to speak, you continue to draw, and you continue to heal. And so we give you great praise and glory and honor. May you and you alone be lifted high as we worship you and end our morning. For we gather and we've done all of this under and for the name of Jesus Christ. 